this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. Comic Book Noise. I'm your host, Derek Howard. Comic Book Noise can be found at comicbooknoise.com and it's part of the Deliberate Noise Network. For more details, please go to deliberatenoise.com for more details on the network, I guess. Have I been saying it wrong all this time? Anyway, if you'd like to send feedback, you can email me. My email address is Derek. It's D-E-R-E-K at comicbooknoise.com or you can call the audio comment line at 734-331-0772. Uh, if you'd like to uh, donate to the ongoing financial health of the network, you can um, go to comicbooknoise.com where you can donate through um, uh, uh, PayPal, Alphonic Minutes for this particular show. Or you can uh, go to uh, Patreon. There's links in the um, at uh, comicbooknoise.com on the right-hand side. You can become a patron just like these fine folks. And I, yes, I remember my paper this time. Dave Slusher of the Evil Genius Chronicles. Or Bruce Rosenberger. Vicious Smith. Martin Ferretti. Rick Hansen. James Johnson, Ken Kennedy, uh, Chris Ivey, Edward Elmore Jr., Dave Levine, and Ken Mara. Thank you, gentlemen, one and all. I appreciate it. Um, yes, they they help, <laughs> especially this time of year when I have uh, hosting uh, hosting bills that come through. Because I try to do it like once a year. But we have two basic sites. We have basically have two sites. Um, so it's two hosting bills. So if you really want to go ahead and donate, I would really appreciate it. We're all paid up, but uh, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> anyway, um, lately I have been reading, I've been getting caught up, I should say, on um, Mage, the, was it Herald Denied? Is that the last one? Um, but I'm not going to really talk about that yet because it's it's still going and I'm loving every minute of it. Uh, yeah, there's 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 this one scene. <laughs> it's just so damn cool, just so 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 damn cool. Um, Matt Wagner really knows how to tell a compelling story. Um, but in addition to that, I've been reading those uh, those trades that I got from uh, Ollie's. In fact, I've been reading them more and I've been reading the uh, the, uh, the, the newer comics. Um, although I did also get uh, DC Rebirth, the uh, Justice League uh, Volume 1 because uh, I forgot why I picked it up. Oh, excuse me, but it looked interesting, and it's Justice League. I'm one of those guys who just will always go back to the Justice League. 
right? There are basically, to me, three great comic book superhero teams that I will... I, I always go back to if there's a number they have an issue number one which is a lot in the past few years um, I check them out and that's the uh, Justice League or Justice League of America whichever one um, the Avengers or Mighty Avengers whichever one and the Legion of Superheroes if you know I see a number one for those three I'm there you know um, let's see not even uh, yeah I guess so I guess also with uh the Fantastic Four, but with the Fantastic Four, it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, I love the Fantastic Four, I, you know, pretty much always have, and I want them to be at the forefront of Marvel, of the Marvel Universe once again, you know, um, despite their, uh, the denials from the company that they've been uh, put on a back burner because of the movie stuff. Uh, that's the only reason why I think, you know, they keep saying, you know, well, um, the sales have declined. Yeah, the sales decline for every book. You know, I'm, I used to keep a lot closer track of it than I do now, but um, I, last time I, I was paying attention, no book really grew in terms of sales numbers, you know, uh, John Mayo and, and Chris Marshall probably know better than I would, but I'm pretty sure that's still the same thing, you know, you put out a book, no matter how well number one sells, number two is going to sell worse, and number three is going to sell even worse than that, and so on and so on and so on until you get to about number eight, and I think eight is when it usually starts to level off, and that's when you can see what, um, what your numbers are going to be forever, uh, because, you know, usually people will say that that's number four, because you have to, uh, pre-order books, uh, three months in advance, so by the time you get to issue three, then you know how issue one sold, and so on and so forth, um, so, to me, that doesn't make sense, I will tell you, by the time four comes out, um, people are still there, you know, and around six is when you start losing the people who, or who pre-ordered for the first three months. Um, but six is when you usually finish the first story arc. Okay. So then you got the people from seven, like, I'm I'm sick of this shit. They got one more issue to, to, to get me back, to keep me. And then around eight is when people are just like, eh, why not? I'll keep it. Or it's done. You know, so to me, eight is the magic number, not three. <laughs> I cracked myself up. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, a lot of times there are books, and I'm I'm guilty of doing this, where I don't stick around for pat into the second story arc, right? Uh, there's this book long time ago called uh, The Sandman. I got the first, like, seven issues, and once they finished that first story arc, I was like, eh, you know, this really isn't all that good. And so I stopped getting it. And then I didn't go back for about 20, maybe 30 more issues. 
And then I just kept saying, oh, this is great, this is great, this is great. And once I read it, I was like, wow, this is great. I'll go back and read what I missed. And I still contend that that first story arc wasn't very good, mostly because it was too heavily tied into the uh, the DC Universe. And once they were just like, you know what, it doesn't need to be part of the DC Universe, then the story got better. All right. In fact, so much so that a lot of people forget that it's all part of the DC Universe, you know? Um... But right now, I am reading uh, Voodoo from uh, the, the New 52. Now, I got the first, like, five or six issues of Voodoo when it was coming out. Um, but it was part of my great purge. There was a bunch of books I just cut, and Voodoo was one of them. Um, and so when I read this this... The, this this book I'm reading now is volume two, so it pretty much starts off. I might be missing like uh, an issue between when I stop reading and this part, but it's you know I hate to say this to any writers out there, it's superhero comic books. It's really not that difficult to pick up where you left off. You know, if you read the first three or four issues of a book, um, and then you just read the trade after that, you can pretty much pick up what's going on, you know, um, if there was something really, really big in the first storyline, they're gonna recap it, right, and if it really, if two or three issues really weren't all that important, they won't mention it, and it really wouldn't matter, you know, um, and so that's, uh, that's, that's what I've been reading, and, (laughs) It's funny because the number one thing that a lot of people didn't like about Voodoo when it came out was the fact that she was a stripper. Because, let's face it, even though this is America and we're supposed to be able to make our own choices, there are some choices that the that the overall crowd will just uh, poo-poo all over. And being a, um, a sex worker is one of them. I think the other one was... Uh, Starfire, when she was part of Red Hood and the Outlaws, she had, you know, she was sexually active, and a lot of people didn't like that. Right? There were actually, people said, "Well, you know, this isn't the Starfire who was in the the, the cartoons." And I'm just like, "No shit, <laughs> this is a comic book. It's a comic book that's not for kids." So, yeah, all right. But anyway, um, so I think that one of the one of the, the first things that they wanted to do. When uh, I think Ron Mars may have wrote the um, the uh, the so-called controversial issues, but they wanted to like pretty much undo it and basically say, "Oh yeah, um, that was a clone." Which okay, um, I'm still doing the, the, the I'm still reading it, and the story is a bit convoluted. I'm not going to say it's, like, uh, total garbage, but uh, you can see they were trying to fix what they considered to be mistakes, okay? I will say the artwork is beautiful. Um, I can't remember the name. Sammy Basri, I believe, is the one who does it. 
but uh, he doesn't do the uh, the covers. I can't remember who does the covers, but both of them, the, the interiors and the covers, are just really good. I mean, this is just like some really good artwork. I don't remember who did the first part, um, but I, I I don't know. I I will admit I slept on this book because it artwork top notch. I love it, um, and I'm not even done with the book, you know, <laughs> and unless it goes completely off the rails like that one, um, Punisher did, uh, I don't know if, I'm almost positive I, I mentioned this before, but for those of you who don't recall, it was a Punisher, um, book a long time ago, written by, uh, Stephen Grant, drawn by Mike Zeck, and, <laughs> At the end of the fourth issue, there was a big cliffhanger. I think Frank had gotten shot or Frank was about to face a bunch of guys. I can't remember which one it was now. But the last issue of this five-issue miniseries um, changed creative teams completely. Different writer, different artist. I'm going to say Mike Vosberg did it. Now, Mike Vosberg is a, is, is a, is a good artist, right? When matched with the uh, with a good with the proper inker, right? I can't necessarily remember who was the inker for him in this book, but um, I do believe that Mr. Vosberg was under a very tight deadline um, because I had seen his work before. I'd seen it in uh, Howard Chaikin's um, American Flag Volume Two. And I liked his work. I thought it was really good, but this just didn't look the same, you know. Um, and so that was like really noticeable, you know, the the, the decline and um, and quality from a writing and a, an artistic level. It just went oof. It's like you have Mike Zeck who's probably at the top of his game at this time. Um, and then he's gone and Mike Vosberg took over. Like I said, I like Mike, Mike Vosberg, but he needs the right inker. And I believe, do believe he needs, he needed time that he didn't get. Uh, what was that? Who was that guy? Ah, oh, shit. It was, it was in the, 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 the X-Men. It was uh, the new X-Men, you know, that started off, I want to say, with um, with Morrison and Quietly. And I know that Phil Jimenez did an issue or two, I believe. But Igor Corday, he took over and, oh dear God, did the art suck, you know? And at that point, I was just like, I don't know who this I. Igor Cordy guy is, but he fucking sucks. How did he get a job? I remember thinking all this stuff. And it wasn't until like years later that uh, that uh, Vince from um, 11 O'Clock Comics pointed out that they gave Igor, Igor um, half the time that other people had gotten to do each issue of the book because they wanted to keep it they you know they wanted to keep the trains running on time, so they put this guy under an immense um, time constraint 
which, you know, it, and it, it just did serve to really hurt his artwork because later on there was a book called uh, The Secret History, which had the same artist and it was drastically different. I mean, it's just like fucking night and day. You know, it was like, um, oof, I hate to put it like this, but it was like, uh, uh, let's just say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I, I like Keith Giffen. Um, I, I like his artwork. It's just, I, I, but <laughs> there was a big change. He, he deliberately changed his art style from one that was uh, very detailed, as you can see in the uh, uh, the Great Darkness Saga by the Legion. Um, and then after that, it just look at that, compare that to like Ambush Bug or something like that, you know? Or even the, uh, the Legion of Substitute Heroes that came out a few years later. It's just drastically different. He wanted to go with a more minimalistic art style and that's the art style he has today. Um, it's no, I shouldn't. I, I take that back. He got really, really um, loose. When I say loose, it's like he had. He was really detoured. Not detoured. I'm, I just saw a sign. That's what the sign I just saw said. Anyway, he got really detailed for um, most of his career, most of his early career, and then. Well, he was actually, they put it like this, but he was a, he was a, uh, uh, he seemed to me to be a Jack Kirby ripoff or even a, um, a Herb Trimpey um, ripoff. And then he got his own style. He was very detailed. And that was my favorite era of Giffen. And then there was some Mexican artists that he saw and he wanted to be more like that. Very, um, more uh, expressive with the facial expressions, uh, less detailed artwork, and that's how he was for a couple of years, but I will admit that he got, like, a mix between the two when he was doing the artwork on, um, on, uh, <coughs> Legion of Superheroes five years later, that whole storyline, um, yeah, and I completely forgot that where I was, what I was talking about, how I got on that, um, oh yeah, so that's, that's how it was, it's like, you have Mike Zek looking like, um, Great Darkness Saga, Keith Giffen, and then at the last issue of the book, it was more like, you know, Keith Giffen from, what was it, The Omen storyline, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can picture it, and you're, you're, you're not dumb, you, you listen to a comic book noise, so I know you're not dumb, oh, and somebody just got pulled over by the state police, as long as it's not me, I do not care, somebody just saw me talking on my phone, another police officer, there's a lot of police officers going around, so right now, I don't think the police officer is coming after me, but just in case, I'm done making a lot of noise. A lot of comic book noise. Take it easy.
Bubble Wagon.